0: Hey everybody, Kevin Grossman, president of the Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards. It is now 2020, and this year's Benchmark Research Program is open. Do you know what your candidate experience perception gaps are? What you're delivering and recruiting versus what your candidates actually are experiencing? The Candy Benchmark Research Program can definitely help you identify what those gaps are. And if elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience is what your organization is all about... Then go to the talentboard.org and register today.
1: What you're referencing is this intersection of not just great technology, but also process evolution, user engagement, et cetera. And that that process of finding what I would think of as the intersection of those things as hiring success is, is one that a lot of customers have never done before. They're, there's a lot of change there.
0: You're listening to the Candy Shop Talk podcast brought to you by Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research and hosted by Kevin W. Grossman. Talent Board is the first nonprofit research organization focused on elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. The Candy Shop Talk podcast welcomes Rebecca Carr, Senior Vice President of Growth and Hiring Success at Smart Recruiters, an enterprise-grade recruiting platform designed for the modern workforce, and a proud Candidate Experience Award sponsor. Listen in on how improving candidate experience impacts recruiting and the business bottom line. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. Before we dive into the rest of the show, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do today?
1: Well, hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Um, Hello, everyone. My name is Rebecca Carr. I run growth and customer success for smart recruiters. We're a talent acquisition suite. Basically, what that means at the most simplest level is I run all of solutions consulting. So all the people that are helping you evaluate if smart recruiters is the right fit for you, all the way to implementing you, getting you up and running, making you successful after the process, supporting you along the way. um, So really those pre and post sales behaviors.
0: To make that as seamless as possible, right? Yes. It's, it's seem- of
1: course. Replace is tough, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> no,
0: that, exactly. <laughs> That's not for the faint of heart, anyway. But so, catch us up, Rebecca, on Smart Recruiters because it's come a long way since the since founding, and it's a pretty amazing robust talent acquisition suite these days. So, what challenges? As of late, are you helping your customers overcome, especially when you're actually working with them to make sure that it is the right fit for them too? And then beyond that, once you get them on board, how is that differentiating from the rest of the market?
1: Sure. So I think really what we're seeing when we meet customers for the first time is they are struggling with a couple of things. One, they usually have a very fragmented candidate experience. This could be because they are using multiple systems or across different brands and organizations under their parent Company or they've just failed to evolve as technology has changed and become uh, much more powerful with things like mobile optimization and one-click apply and all of those sorts of things. And they're looking for a partner to help them invest in making that change. They also usually are struggling to engage their hiring managers. Generally, hiring managers don't love using HR systems, that they're not focused on that. They're using sales platforms or marketing platforms or engineering platforms in the background. And so when it's time to hire, getting them to adopt and engage and be a part of an evaluation process is is difficult. And so they're looking to drive a different level of user engagement and usability to their HR product suite. And talent acquisition is a big piece of that. I'd say the third challenge that they're wrestling with is that their recruiters are all oftentimes working in a lot of different types of systems. They have a background check vendor, a reference check vendor, a skills test, the ATS, a CRM, a job board. Combine all of those into and, and really embrace the power of platform, take all those systems, move them into one interface that helps them drive efficiency and automation so they can spend a lot more time Trying to find quality talent, which, as we know, we're living in a talent economy right now, uh, especially with the pace of innovation in the market and skills becoming very tightly defined in certain industries. And they need to be proactively sourcing people, and they don't want to be dealing with the administration. Of chasing down a hiring manager, making sure that they've launched a background check, all that stuff. So we're, we're helping really bring them into this next generation of, of technology within talent acquisition.
0: Well, the latter two that you mentioned, that's it, it is really important. And what adds to that conundrum is that, and we work with hundreds of employers every year, big and small across industries that participate in our annual benchmark research program when they're dealing with hiring managers that don't hire that often. And maybe they're hiring once or twice a year or even every other year. And that can that adds a little bit more of that frustration wrinkle to that process. But even those that are hiring regularly, it really is important and critical that they have a better cohesive relationship with those individuals because in the final stages in particular, they're a big part of that final decision-making, obviously, and have even a a big impact on candidate experience. So a company who believes that they need to improve candidate experience and they know it impacts their business and their brand really needs to have those better, whether they're SLAs or just better relationships, with their hiring yeah. managers overall, it,
1: it's it's interesting. What you're talking about is a concept that we often talk about with our customers, and that we call it hiring success. And you're what you're referencing is this intersection of not just great technology, but also process evolution, user engagement, etc. That process of finding what I would think of as the intersection of those things as hiring success is is one that a lot of customers. I've never done before. There, there's a lot of change there. And I think one of the areas that Smart Recruiters has differentiated itself against others in the space is that we really do make that implementation uh, rollout process and then the the adoption of the product and technology ongoing, something that embraces more than just what we offer as a technology platform, but also so the expertise and best practices of other companies within your industry that are doing interesting things and helping bring some of that process of innovation to the table on top of just the system itself, which is, you know, historically what might have been the
0: case. Exactly. And and it's the technology is is only going to be, and this is no offense to any provider, especially smart recruiters. It's only going to be as good as the as the process in place, right? That it's actually helping to empower. And I'm sure you do a lot of work with your with the customers or with the recruiting team to really understand what their current processes, where those potential improvements can be made, and how your system can improve upon that. But before we go down that path. You were first talking about how the candidate experience is fragmented. We've seen a lot of improvement in the the nine years, believe it or not, that we've been actually doing this research. But what's fascinating is that candidates, unless they're in the space, meaning they're in recruiting and HR technology or any kind of technology for that matter, to a certain degree, most candidates don't, they don't care about the technology stack, right? It doesn't matter to them, as long as they they're getting a fair shake, there and it's there's consistent communication, there's a higher level of perceived fairness in the process, and there's definitive closure, whatever that means. If they're not going right. to be sued, if they get an offer letter and they're are hired. So tell us then today how your solution is really helping improve how candidates are being treated. Then in that regard,
1: you mentioned some of the things they care about. You know that that are tied to response and right. closure in a process. Ensuring that they're they're evaluated in an unbiased way, our technology is helping make all of that possible through automation and rule based logic that we've started to to implement um, through a number of different features and functionalities and, and tested with our customers over time. So when you think about most. Uh, hiring scenarios, obviously there are going to be roles out there like executive management and things where there's not as uh, big a pipeline. But in your average role where you're having hundreds of candidates apply, let alone if you have an amazing brand that's driving even more than that, it's difficult for one or two recruiters or even a hiring manager sitting in a store to do that job while also trying to manage this massive pipeline of candidates. And so the more that solutions like smart recruiters can bring a level of automation to the table, a good example of this being, we have a feature that underestimated to a certain extent by a lot of our customers, but when we talk to candidates, we got a lot of good feedback on it is when somebody opens my application to review it for the first time, we actually notify the candidate that someone's looking at their application and that the process is starting without the recruiter needing to necessarily reach out and say that in a very manual way. Being able to automate some of these touch points, give candidates an experience, like uh, we have a a candidate portal, like many other providers, that's telling you where you are in the process, giving you um, advice on how you can promote your application, engage more effectively with the hiring team, prepare for interviews. All of this is going to keep you engaged as that big process of evaluation is happening. And then tools on the other side that are going to help drive big actions around rejection so that when you fill a job, you can actually let other people know that you know hey it didn't work out this time and making sure that that's built into the process um, from the start is going to help keep that connection with the candidate, even though you yourself might not be able to send them an individual message every single time. On the unbiased side, which is actually a really interesting one, we Mm -hmm. last year announced and came out with our Smart Assistant product, which is an AI product uh, that sits on top of your candidate database. Um, And there's a couple different components to that. We're in a very unbiased way. We don't let you impact the way you score someone or or how that changes over time. We're bubbling. Candidates to the surface that are uh, a match to the job, not just in keywords. Hey, I have this on my resume. It's in the job description, but you know, based on factors of all the can- the millions of candidates that Smart Recruiters has seen, these skills have lent themselves to particularly strong fits for similar jobs within your space, industry, location, etc. And, and you should review them um, without taking into account the the other things that drive bias. There, your name, your location things like that that you want to stay away from. And as a result of implementing that product, we've actually partnered with a number of other uh, vendors in the space to do things like, conceal candidate profiles until they get to certain pieces of the workflow mm. so that you really are just evaluating candidates based on what they've done in the past and, and what they're willing to do or a, a cover letter or something like that that's included with the application. And it really, we've actually done a ton of adverse impact analysis on that those data sets and people that have used those tools and they have seen improvements as their hiring managers and recruiters interact with the tool and start to screen candidates. So there's some really interesting data Analysis that's happening there that's it's helping us to as a technology provider facilitate more unbiased screening uh, in the process.
0: No, that's that's excellent. And and I that so again helps the the level of perceived fairness. And I, I keep saying that over and over again because that's one of the things that we look at every year, because it's not it's a nice sentiment sometimes to say, oh, happy candidates can make happy customers, especially if you're a consumer-based company. But at the end of the day, it's just about fairness. That's what it is. And so Anything that what you were just outlining that you're doing with your technologies is along with the human interaction that occurs. That's what is going to leave a better, again, perception of fairness. And and you will have higher, usually higher positive candidate ratings in the process. Mm -hmm. Even though I always like to say that it's an uphill battle for employers because we're actually in the business of no. And because of that, the sheer volume of individuals that even if you have a really decent, consistent candidate experience from pre-application to final disposition, whenever that is, and for most candidates, it's at the application. It's only going to be a smaller tier that makes it beyond. But when you do that, it can go a long way with them wanting to do something again with you as a business and a brand. Usually we're talking about job-related exchanges, applying, mm-hmm. refer- referring, but it could impact, you know, purchases and influencing purchases. And there's still a gray area when you start even getting into kind of um, in, in healthcare and, and other industries where there's could be some consumer influence potentially there, d- depending on the situation. But again, at the end of the day, it's great to hear this is what you're, you're doing, and especially looking at how that's improving uh, overall, looking at the adverse impact data that you've been looking at. Let's shift now to, Rebecca, to the recruiter side, because you've got, again, with any high-volume hiring or professional positions where there's a lot of applications potentially that are going to be coming in, highlight again a little bit more on how you're helping to kind of free up time to the recruiting team. I mean, we touched on some of the automation, which is great, so that they can better focus on selection and, you know, the final stage human interaction, which is really critical in hiring today, especially right. with, and I don't even want to, this is another tangent we could talk about for a whole nother mm-hmm. show, but just the candidate ghosting that can, that goes on today.
1: I think one of the, the biggest and perhaps most obvious features that Smart Recruiter rolled out about a year and a half ago that has really helped to drive a, a level of automation around larger pools of candidates, both qualified and also maybe unqualified at this moment, but potentially. Potentially could be qualified in the future, I'd say like a sophomore at a university or something. They obviously aren't going to work for you full time at this moment, but in two years, they're a very valid candidate based on their degree. We launched our CRM, our native CRM. And as a result, one of the things that I think we did, it was somewhat unique to CRM, at least in many of the other TA platforms that I've used. We actually made CRM not necessarily this this product that was just for sourcers and recruiters, that was completely segregated from that of the talent database that was living in jobs and, and was, was seat based in nature. That was a very common model for CRM in the past. We actually, instead, opened up CRM uh, to uh, almost as if it was a different type of a, jo- a job that existed in your database, and you could have different types of participants interacting with that CRM that might not necessarily be sourcers themselves. So hiring managers could engage with these talent pools and could screen or interview or look at some of these um, these candidates over time. And as you were starting to think through forecasting of your headcount and hiring new roles in the future. And what that did is it drove a much higher level of adoption to uh, the concept of campaigning within our platform. So that campaigning is tied to a lot of automation that we've built into the application process with most of our customers. They're sitting out there when they reject somebody, what happens to a rejected candidate? Well, if they're rejected and they uh, are perhaps qualified or have a certain skill or they're in a certain location or could be leveraged for another store. If you're thinking about retail, you know, maybe 50 miles away or something like this, using some automation around things like connected searches and like saved searching pipeline automation functionality that we built, we've moved candidates into these campaign type or these community type objects within smart recruiters and campaigns launch automatically based on who you are and where you live and what you do. Um, And so what ends up happening to the candidate experience is as I'm moving through the process, I am maybe not a fit for the job, I get my rejection letter, but I get a very warm rejection that moves me into a community, which now I can track and receive content from that organization on perhaps other jobs that I'm qualified for that then launch me into workflows that might exist with other recruiters within your organization. And because we made it almost a very deep part of the ATS versus making it kind of something that was just for sourcers on the top end where they could funnel candidates and then move them to jobs eventually, we actually were able to create this loop between job application processes of one job with other jobs in a very automated and seamless way. Candidates would receive campaigns if they clicked, they were automated added to other campaigns. They were then moved to jobs. And similar to the way that prospects and leads are kept warm over time in a sales funnel, candidate, we were able to create that with candidates and share them across organizations, giving them a quality experience while moving at the same time, moving them out of the pipeline so that recruiters could work on the candidates that were actually qualified for the job that they were working at that point in time, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And for the second year in a row, we've been asking all of our employer participants, in the benchmark research, what their recruiting focus will be for the coming year. And for the second year in a row, one of the top two is recruitment marketing. And it's interesting because I'm a marketer by background primarily, and I've been drinking the Kool-Aid for a long time. (laughs) But it really is exciting to see and hear your customers, as well as many other organizations we work with that are really investing and looking at it through the lens of marketing and how of targeting. Candidates and sourcing, and and just and nurturing and pipelining—all the things that we talk about in marketing and sales really do and can have an impact on the recruiting side as well. What I really briefly on the reporting side, what's important to your customers today? So, what are the one or two key metrics, analytics, data points that they're getting? A being a customer of yours, but what they're focused on in recruiting? I mean, is is it still? time to fill, time to hire. You know What's important right now to your customers on the, the metric side?
1: All customers that become customers of smart recruiters are in a certain extent um, embracing uh, our hiring success methodology, which is we actually published a definitive guide to hiring success. And, and a book is coming shortly on this that starts to position for organizations out there what we think the intersection of process technology and adoption should bring to their business by way of measurement, um, which is, I think, what you're referencing here. Yeah. And so everybody that has purchased smart recruiters is being evaluated on these metrics and has started to think about their business within the lens of them. And they really are three kind of pillars. The first one is really around budget. Um, this would be... Sure historically, the cost per hire metric, which though, yes, it does give you some certain information about how much you're spending in order to run a recruiting function. It doesn't actually tell you much about how much you should be spending. So it's not very prescriptive in its output, which is really the the direction we're trying to make a lot of these metrics go. And so for us, hiring budget is the percentage spent on recruiting as it relates to new hire compensation. So this makes it a more dynamic metric. Obviously, if you're hiring a customer success representative, you probably shouldn't be spending as much as if you were to go hire a CFO. But that doesn't mean... Like how do you standardize that metric? Well, if you say I'm consistently going to spend 10% of new hire compensation, then that metric becomes very fluid and can be discussed on an aggregate level versus at the department, regional, et cetera level. And so we're seeing a lot of people move to that metric and we actually support the visibility of that in product. The second is around uh, velocity. And you mentioned time to fill. For me, this metric is a bit outdated, largely because with the intersection of things like CRM. And um, and recruitment marketing, you could be nurturing someone for years before they ultimately convert. Though it's 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 valid to say, you know, on, on average it takes me so many days to fill a job, it really only matters if you filled that job on the day you needed the person, on or before the day you needed the person. And if you have a lot of attrition is a good example, like if if I were to leave smart recruiters tomorrow, theoretically smart recruiters need someone to replace me tomorrow because yeah, right. immediately my impact of being gone is felt by the organization. And so we developed a metric around hiring velocity, which is the percentage of jobs filled on time. Um, and it could take 90, 100, 300 days to fill a job, but as long as they were there on the day that you needed them, then technically you fulfilled against your hiring plan. So that, that's sort of our, our, our rethink of the, of the traditional time to fill. The third is really around quality. Um, and I don't want to necessarily say quality because I think that's sort of like the golden metric to <laughs> uh, find I think it's more about fit against a job um, and so we've implemented some functionality with our customers in order to because they they're all very interested in understanding the level of value that recruiting bring, brings their biz, business in a very objective way. We've implemented things like post-hire surveying of hiring managers and new employees, asking them to rate themselves against the job and their fit against the job. And almost like customer success can develop an NPS-like metric. Mm -hmm. Um, We are doing that for our customers so that they can see their new hire NPS. And presumably, if you have positive NPS, you're delivering returns to your business because great talent usually delivers more than what they're worth to your business, you'd hope. And poor talent probably delivers what you're paying for them or, or potentially worse.
0: Or you're going to bleed a little bit there.
1: Exactly. And I think what's interesting about that score is we sit with our customers all the time and we say, well, you're a positive 10 NPS. What would it cost you to be a 15 That could theoretically, you could connect that back to revenue. There's a lot of different ways and it really varies per company, but you could connect that growth in quality talent back to your bottom line as a business. But if I move myself to positive 15 and I get this level of return, how much can I pull those levers of budget and velocity in order to get there? And is it necessarily a bad thing to spend more if I'm going to get better people? Probably not. We're, we're having those co- those conversations with customers today who are so concerned with low cost as fast as possible that really, based on the quality that you're getting on the other side, there is a way that you can actually build a business case for more budget or more time with more visibility into sort of what's coming in order to drive better results for you on the back end. So that's really what we are focusing on our customers with and is really the center of the methodology that they're embracing. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. I know we really try to get organizations to understand the potential impact on their business and their brand over time, just by the candidate sentiment, not only from external candidates, but internal as well, because we're constantly having to be re-recruited to retain. And I think that the potential cost of, of, again, not having that individual in the role at the time where you need them, as you were just outlining, is something that is very important. And I think CFOs want a lot of the organization to connect those dots more readily. We are in the people business and it is important to talk about the, I don't want to use the word fluffy, but just the the, the, the different human aspects of candidate experience recruiting. But it's also, there's, there's business impact that needs to be looked at at the end of the day. These are the people that are going to help grow and sustain your business. And potentially those you don't bring on still could be advocates for you and refer others, even if they were rejected, depending on how they're how they're treated. Anyway, I, I get on my soapbox, Rebecca, and I could keep going for, for a long time. So you've got your uh, US Hiring Success Conference coming up, right? Yes. It's February 11th and 12th? 10th and 11th. February 10th and 11th. So tell us what, are you, what you're excited about, about this event.
1: Well, what I like about this conference is we're a vendor. And so a lot of people, I'm sure folks out there have gone to user conferences. Um, and they talk a lot about sort of where the, the product is going and mm-hmm. where investment will come in the future. And for us, we sort of took a different lens on our conferences. We wanted them to feel like industry events where you could come and regardless of vendor in a completely vendor agnostic way, you could learn things. Things about how to grow and develop your organization over time. This ended up being a huge success. And so we have a lot of our customers that come, but we have a lot of others that don't. Industry analysts, leaders, et cetera, that come and speak about some of the programs that they're investing in. And what I get excited about is just the the, the amount of ideas that are ex- exchanged. We do a ton of workshopping in many of our sessions. The networking that's available is I think, at a much higher level than what you're going to get from a traditional, like, come and see our product roadmap type um, event.
0: So, Rebecca, again, we're looking at February 10th through the 12th for hiring. That's correct. We're definitely looking forward to it. And one of the last things I always like to ask all of my guests is we're working all the time, Rebecca, right? Work is our life, but we also have lives. What else does Rebecca like to do outside of work? What is a focus of yours?
1: Um, well, I'm a new mom. Um, and so I'm focusing on uh, focusing on figuring that out, as I'm sure you can imagine. There's a lot of learning that comes very quickly. The hardest job you'll ever have. But to be honest with you, it's ski season now. It's January. I live up in Tahoe. So
0: oh. I foc-
1: I focus a lot on being on a mountain.
0: <laughs> very, very <laughs> mountain. nice. Well, congratulations on having your first child, correct?
1: Yes. My first
0: child. First child. Yes, it is definitely. It's a wonderful journey being a parent. I I can definitely attest to that, having two daughters of my own. It's funny because when people ask, do you ever go to Tahoe? We say yes. And they like, do you ski? I say, no, we go in the summertime. So we're not snow people. (laughs) So, But I'm glad that, that that's great that you, so you're a big skier then.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm from New England and ah, there you go. grew up on the mountains of Vermont. So coming out here, it's not ice, which is nice.
0: You snowboard too?
1: No, my husband does. Okay, I've never it. even been on one and I'm afraid to. So I'm gonna That's all right. Busy. So
0: you're just a the straight skier then. Yeah, exactly. I did get to go for the first time, believe it or not. I it just had never gone skiing before, but I went work, kind of a business trip and I had no idea that I where I was going at the time I had heard of Whistler, that it's this great place, but I didn't realize it was kind of a Mecca, <laughs> like, like going to Tahoe and, and skiing. So I got to experience that there for the first time. And it, it was, I, I definitely picked it up really fast. Definitely okay. picked it up really fast. And if I could just convince the rest of my family to do it, then maybe we would, we would become skiers. So there you go.
1: Well, they say that skiing is easy to learn, hard to master, and that (laughs) snowboarding is hard to learn, easy to master. Right, that's what I've heard
0: too. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't know how true that is, but... I don't even remember learning how to ski. And when I I guess when I learned, I was a lot closer to the ground. So falling wasn't as big a deal. And now I'm a little bit safer than I was when I used to throw myself off the cliffs. But
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Very nice. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. And I look forward to seeing you very soon at Hiring Success. And thanks again.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. For more information about Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and Benchmark Research, visit www.thetalentboard.org.